0: Thank you, Dean. I think I've been an intern longer than you've been a pastor here. Um, well, we're going to read. Uh, I want you to stand. We're going to read Second Peter. We're in the first chapter. Starting verse 12 through 15. Let me read that. It says, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it is right, as long as I'm in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder. Since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as the Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, and I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. You may be seated. Well, I've titled uh, today, uh, what we're going to be talking about spiritual post-it notes, because as Dean has read earlier and alluded to, our tendency is to forget. Now, I want to give you a context here. First Peter, when Peter wrote the the first book, um, first Peter, he was writing to a congregation that was dispersed all throughout the Roman Empire. And he was dealing with issue of the day, which was persecution. They were very disheartened. And the roman empire was starting to heat up and and the jewish Community was starting to heat up the persecution against christians. And so he was writing to them To encourage them about that. But in second peter, we see something quite different here something's changed And is that there's not the persecution without that they're worried about is that the false teachers are rising within and so that's what we're seeing here in second peter is that he's Reminding them, reminding them of the truth so they can discern the error. Reminding them of whose they are and many other things that we're going to get into. And so uh, it's, it's pretty simple. What I'm going to be talking about today is three things that, one, we forget. Secondly, what we forget. And then third, how not to forget. Okay, so uh, the, the fact that we forget and what we forget and then how not to forget. First, um, I, want, I want to, I think there's three ways that we tend to forget. Is that there is, we have spiritual amnesia. Is that we just, we, we, we forget. Um, there's no other way to put it. But if you turn to Exodus 15, go back to the Old Testament. I want to show you a clear example because it's fun to pick on the children of Israel because they were so Silly! They were so grumbling and complaining. It's interesting. He calls them children, Um, and so any parent knows what I'm referring to here. Um, But we we in Exodus 14, they just got through crossing the Red Sea, and so an incredible incredible miracle just happened. The world's most powerful army at the time, Egypt, was in back of them, and there was a body of water in front of them that they could not cross, and Israel at that time, they just counted 600,000 men. That wasn't including women and children and animals and the Egyptians that came along with them. But that was 600,000 people. More than that, were, were standing between a rock and a hard place. And God divided the Red Sea and they passed through. And it says a little bit later on that they looked back and saw the dead bodies of the Egyptians laying on the, on the, on the uh, riverbank or on the Red Sea. As another Ebenezer that God just delivered them through that. And he didn't deliver the Egyptians through that. And so we're in song, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Exodus 15. If you would turn to uh, 22, it says, Exodus 15:22. It says, then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. So they had just gotten across, you know, the wiper in the brow, amazed how close that was. That they were about to be annihilated and God delivered them. So they set out from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah, um, which means bitterness. And the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it in the water and the water became sweet. So here we are, three days later, just a long weekend, and they've already forgotten that God divided, he divided a huge body of water. And yet they didn't look at that and, and look upon what was in front of them, which was no water, and think, well, God can deliver us. If he can divide water, he sure can add water, right? But they didn't. They forgot that. There's that natural tendency for all of us to slide towards forgetfulness. I don't know if, if, if y'all have ever been the typical tourist, um, but if you go into some kind of monument, the Statue of Liberty, a large bridge, a building, and you get in the foreground and you get someone to take your picture, and with that monument in the background, you act like you're holding it up, and, or you're doing this, or whatever it may be, you're, you're, you're showing a perspective that's not true, right? That you're much larger than the monument. Well, that's what happens spiritually, is that as we live life, as we get busy with life, as we don't uh, do what it takes to remember who God is and who you are, God starts to slip to the background. And he's, he's much bigger than us. But he becomes that little monument you're holding up with your hand. And you become the forefront. People become the forefront. Your circumstances get much bigger when you have spiritual amnesia. You tend to forget. I remember when I was a single guy, um, I, I, I was journaling and I had been dating on and off different people, and I said, God, and it had been long distance. A girl that was down in Birmingham, and I was like 800 miles away. I was like, this isn't going to work. Um, I really can't get to know them well. At least that was the case for me. And so I said, God, I remember journaling this. God, would you please bring me someone in my life that I could get to know on a, on a friendship basis first, but they could be beside me, and that I could get to know them day in, day out, and just get to know them and they get to know me before it becomes romantic. And about a year later, God moved a girl named Stacy. Uh, I was in Greensboro up to Burlington, which was 25 miles away from Charlotte. Uh, I was, she was in Charlotte, moved up to Burlington. So very close to me. And we worked on beach projects together with Campus Outreach. We went overseas together to South Africa, but I'd forgotten that prayer. And I said, yeah, she's, yeah, she's not the one. It's someone else. I had, I had, and then I realized, I remember going back and reading my journal and going, God, I've I'd, I'd forgotten this prayer. And you've brought this woman into my life. And, of course, I repented to God first and repented to her later. And uh, she told me no, um, whatever, asked her to marry me. And then uh, two months later, she said yes. But I had, had forgotten that prayer. I had I'd slid away from what was clear to me into what became very, very fuzzy. Um, so we tend not to remember. We also, secondly, we, we tend to misremember. We tend to misremember. And what I mean by that, I'm probably making up a word here. That's okay. But I call it spiritual revisionism. And so when we look back at our past, we don't remember it the way it happened. We remember it some other way. And again, let's pick on the children of Israel um, in Exodus 16 just the next chapter later it says in verse uh verse 3 well let's go to 2 it says in the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness and the people of Israel and this is just a few days later again after he had given them sweet water and after he had given them uh provision from Egypt it says in the people of Israel said to them would we I'm sorry. With that, we had died in the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we had we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. And you brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. And so, do you see what's happening here? One, they're grumbling. Which God promised that if you continue to grumble, I'm going to kill you. Um, something... Um, that is a great reminder that it's, it's a sin to grumble. But they were doing that and then not only top of that, they, they were grumbling about their hunger but they were rem- misremembering the past. They said they had pots full of meat and they had overflowing bread. If you read about their account in Egypt, that was not the case. They were, they were working long hours with half the straw trying to make twice the bricks. They did not have pots full of meat They were misremembering. Um, And maybe this has happened to you before. I I don't know if you've ever been, you've spent the night with someone else or been to a visitor at someone's house. And you wake up in the middle of the night and you don't know where you are. Oh, that is, that's a terrible feeling. This, this, you have no context of where you are. Um, That happens a lot spiritually though. We wake up and we forget Who we are or we remember the past in a different way The third thing is not only do we not remember we misremember and I think and this is definitely where I'm making up we disremember And what I mean by that is that it's spiritual denial So if if you're not remembering a spiritual amnesia, you just start to drift and forget And if misremembering is revising then disremembering is you're actually actively denying the past Okay, And we see this a lot in Second Peter 2. He talks about this is what the false prophets do. Um, he says that the but false prophets arose among the people just as there will be false teachers among you who were secretly bringing destructive heresy and denying the master. We see this also in Romans 1 when it says that that, sin, that sinners... Before they come to Christ, or if they never come to Christ, they suppress the truth and unrighteousness. That word suppress is a word in the Greek that means to push down on a spring. So it means to actively, actively try to hold down what is true and forget about it. It's like sticking your fingers in your, hear, in your ears and saying, I can't hear you. And that's oftentimes we will, if there's something we're not getting our way, we disremember the past. Uh, we even see that again. The children of Israel they grumble and rebel, actively rebel against Moses. And so I want you to re, I, I, this text when it's, when Peter says in these four verses three times to remember or remind, it presupposes that we're going to forget. And so you need to see first your own tendency to forget, whether it's a drift, or whether it's you're remembering the past wrong, you're revising history, or whether you're actively Trying to suppress the truth We all tend to forget Well what is it that we forget Let's look here at the passage It says therefore I tend to remind you Of these qualities That you know in establishing the truth Well let's go a little bit b- before that And see what are the qualities he's talking about um, And Dean talked about this This is the, the golden chain Of sanctification here It says if these qualities of yours Are increasing Again that's in verse 8 which are faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, goodness, brotherly affection, and love. Those are qualities that that Peter says he's going to remind them. But notice he also says, I'm going to remind you of the truth. So those qualities are about your growth in Christ. If you're a Christian, those those qualities are going to become yours more and more. But don't forget, they're based on something else. Let's back up to verse 3. It says, His divine power has granted... To us, all things that pertain to life and godliness, that through the knowledge of Him who called you to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted us precious and, and great promises, so that you might become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world. And so, there we clearly see that there is a God who's initiating to us. We don't go out looking for God, God comes for us. And it's clear in the Scriptures that He initiates salvation. And he comes into you and says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. And usually in the Old Testament, when covenants were made, two people would say, I'm going to do this and you're going to do that. And then they would shake on it. Now, today we might spit on our hands and shake or, or make some kind, of, some kind of compact to seal that covenant. Well, in the, in the, in the ancient times, sometimes they would take um, their sandals and switch their sandals and say, Now you know what it's like to walk in my shoes. Don't break this covenant. Or they may have a, they would have sometimes have a bag of salt with them because it was a dry and aired land and they didn't have Gatorade. So they would actually take part of their bag of salt and put your salt in his bag and take his, your salt or they would swap it so that you wouldn't know, it would intermingle the two bags of salt. And it's saying that now we're mingled together. And even the most graphic example of a covenant is we see in Genesis is when when Abram cut the animals in half and split them, and it was a blood covenant. That was the seal of blood covenant. And notice Abraham didn't walk through it; God walked through the covenant, saying, "May this happen to me if the covenant's broken." And that's exactly the kind of God who comes after us. He comes after us, and he sealed and he sealed us with his Son. Look in this verse just right before us. It says that you're going to be blind and nearsighted if you've forgotten that he has cleansed you from your former sins. That's what we tend to forget. We tend to forget that God entered our life some time ago in history. For me, I know exactly. It was March 3rd, 1991. I was a fraternity brother in a school down south that that fancied itself for partying. And I was very lost, very lost. I, I, I treated women as objects. I used people for my own means. And I did what I wanted to. And God, in the midst of that darkness, brought a, a person to my, into my life. I was coaching a soccer team at the time, a girl soccer team, less, a, a college girl soccer team I was coaching. And one of the girls on there was a believer. God put her on that soccer team, and she told me about Christ. And she said, well, come to this meeting and hear more. And again, I was lost as a billy goat at the time. I I, I went to one of these meetings. I didn't know what was uh, the Baptist Student Union. I didn't know Campus Outreach. I didn't know any of these things. But I just went to this meeting. And I remember God dispelled a lot of my myths of what it meant to be a Christian at that point. I went to the next meeting and the next meeting. And there clearly I heard that there is a God and that he's very personable and he wants a relationship with me. And he's calling me to himself. And I went home one night and I remember I was driving home and I looked uh, for some reason. I was coming home from a fraternity meeting on a Sunday night. And I looked down on, my, on the floorboard of my car and there was a cassette tape. Now, for those that are young, cassette tapes were before CDs. Uh, but it was post eight track. Um, so I looked down and saw the cassette tape and, and I picked it up. While I was still driving without going off the road, I picked it up and I looked and it was a guy, by a guy named Mylon Lefevre. I don't know if some of y'all remember him. He played for a band, old band called Kansas. And he came to Christ and he started making these, these uh, 1970s, 80s kind of rock uh, songs. But he uh, put the tape in and it was a tape that was given to me back when I was 13 or 14 by my youth director. And for some reason, I had a box of tapes and I had it in my car with me while I was in college. Again, a little Ebenezer here. I put it in, and he's singing. He's singing about how Christ is his morning star, how he has this relationship, this personal relationship with Christ. And at that point, I was like, God, uh, um, I I, I want that kind of relationship in my life. And it wasn't like the uh, doves started flying into my room. At that moment when I prayed, and it wasn't lightning, but it was a still, small voice where, where God made me his friend, and I was his enemy. And if I forget that, and if you forget your testimony, the sins that you were cleansed from, and it may not be dramatic, it may be you came to Christ when you are young, but you don't have to have this incredible testimony of of darkness and sin to know that you're depraved you may do good stuff but it's for all the wrong reasons and that is sin if you forget you've been saved from your former sins then you become very forgetful and blind and you actually will become susceptible to those false prophets it talks about later in peter Um, paul repeats this um, we don't have time to go into all of this, but First Corinthians six nine through eleven, Paul is speaking. He says he has this long list of all these sinners, and he and he says they will will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, but you once were a part of these, but God saved you. Ephesians two, Paul again is talking. He says. You were uh, dead in your trespasses and sin. You were dead. You were in a coffin and everybody was having a a spiritual wake. And yet God reached in again, that pivot verse in verse four, but God being rich in mercy reached in and made you alive. It's interesting a little bit later in Ephesians, it says, don't you remember that you were a people without a God, but he's brought you in. And so Paul picks up on this idea of forgetfulness, we tend to forget that sanctification is built on justification. That sanctification is built on justification. It's interesting, if you look in this passage, uh, we talk about all these qualities to grow as a Christian, but it, it, it follows this idea that God has come into your life, that God saved you first, and so now you grow as a Christian. You work out your salvation. You don't work for your salvation. That's another important point that we tend to forget. One other thing that I say what, what we tend to forget is the wor- we. when we become a Christian, we start to see the world different. We start to see the world as God's world. Dean earlier was talking about uh, the tithe, and that $25 a month may seem like, or a week may seem like a lot. But there was a guy named George Mueller and he would pray, say, he would say, God, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. It's a psalm. He said, would you sell one of those cows and bring it to us here at this orphanage? And they would hear a knock on the door and the milkman's vehicle broke down out front. And they said, this milk's going to spoil. Can y'all use it? And that was their breakfast for that morning. Um, Time after time, he would see the world as different. Um, Spurgeon says the world exists only to serve as a scaffold for his church. So we often see the world as this material place that we're living our life, we're making money, we're raising kids, we're doing jobs, we're growing in our skill, we're having arguments, we're resolving arguments, we're living life, and we get so caught up in our little world that we tend to forget this is God's world. And that this is mainly a spiritual place. We tend to see it purely materialistic. And so we need to see... That this is God's world. Well, um, let me, I want to speak on a a few things on how not to forget. We have the spiritual amnesia or spiritual revisionism or spiritual denial is even the worst place to be. Oswald Chambers says, God reminds us of the past to protect us from a very shallow security in the present. God reminds us of the past. He puts Ebenezer's. And let's talk about some forms that may be. Um, In the Old Testament, time after time, God instituted feasts in the Old Testament to remind the Israelites who he is and who they are. You know, there were seven different feasts. Uh, There was three in the spring, one in the early summer, and three in the fall. And every time, they were supposed to to make pilgrimage, pilgrimage to Jerusalem to go to those feasts. And so constantly their life, their life, their busyness was disrupted by saying, I've got to go to, I've got to go to Jerusalem now. And they would stay there for a week, 10 days at a time. So their life was constantly interrupted, but God interrupts our life to remind us of who he is and who we are. So the 12 feast, uh, the feast that we have, whenever we have the Lord's supper, is done so that we might remember that Christ's blood has cleansed us from those former sins. The tithe, the tithe is a remembrance that you're not, the, the wealth that you produce, God made, make, made you produce it. He gave it to you. And therefore you should give the first of your fruit to him. That's what a tithe is, is a reminder. Um, I would encourage you to write your testimony. If you haven't in a long time, go back and write down your testimony. How did God save you? That's a great reminder of this. Again, these are Ebenezer's or Post it Notes, which, by the way, I don't know if y'all know um, about the Post It Note, um, a little bit of the history of it. Um, I was looking at it. In 1968, Dr. Spencer Silver accidentally created, um, he was trying to create a high, um, high uh, viscosity glue that stuck, and instead he created a low-tack reusable glue. And he threw it aside, didn't think it was much. He was in the 3M laboratories. But a a, a, business, a partner of his in 1974, a guy named Art Fry, apparently sang in the choir. And he said, you yeah, I could use this glue to stick my bookmark to my hymnal. And so he said, let me use that. So he used it. And, and 3M started seeing people around the office using it. And it's interesting enough, a, a laboratory next door to their, their glue lab, they had some old scrap paper. The only scrap paper they had was old yellow paper. So they took that yellow paper and cut it in squares and put that glue on it. And that's how post-it notes came about. And now it's a multi-billion dollar uh, industry for 3M. But post-it notes, for me, I use them all the time. I'll put it on the doorknob. I, I, I need post-it notes to remind me to go get some more post-it notes because I'm out. But it's a reminder. It's an Ebenezer and so some of the spiritual post-it notes we need, write your testimony, journal. Uh, just for me, whenever I was reminded of my prayer for Stacy, that she would be my wife and how God would bring it. When I went back and read it, it was a reminder. So I would encourage you to journal. Uh, the community, the more you get in life group, the more you get involved in this church and community, God will use other believers to remind you. Just, just the other day, I was driving down the road and I get a f- phone call from Tim Brown. And Tim says, hey man, um, I left a voicemail. Can you give me a call back? So I call him back and he said, hey, I just, I noticed that you had put something on Facebook to pray for your kids and I wanted to ask about adoption, how that's going. And so I told him, he said, well, can I pray with you? And that in the midst of my busy day where I'm calling customers about waterproofing, while I'm trying to coordinate guys to come in and insulate when I'm trying to get an electrician, very materialistic things. When I'm in the midst of doing that, I get a phone call to remind me that this was really God's world and that I need to ask God to enter into my, into my world constantly. That was a great reminder. Thank you, Tim, for calling me. My wife oftentimes says, I'm telling her about my day. And she goes, did you pray about it? And I know. And then I walk off and go pray about it. Um, she is a stack of stones. She's an Ebenezer for me. She's a beautiful st- That didn't sound good. Never mind. Maybe you're a beautiful stack of stones. When we study the Bible, when we read the Bible, those are all reminders. Um, communion. Is an Ebenezer. The Holy Spirit. What did, what did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit? He says in John 14, He will bring you into all truth and bring to mind what all the words I've said to you. The Holy Spirit is a reminder. Prayer is inviting the Holy Spirit in. Praise. Psalm 103, 2 says, Bless the Lord and forget not his benefits. So when we sing, when we praise, when you write down what God has done, that is an Ebenezer for you to remind, to remind yourself of the gospel. Uh, your mate, your children, they're, they're Ebenezer's to remind you of your sin. Uh, oftentimes I'll see that with my, my children, is I see my sin. Um, I, I pray that this, some of these things, these applications would help you in your spiritual amnesia. To, to remind you of who God is and who you are. I want to end with a story. It's about an old man named um, Ed. And this guy, Ed, every Friday night until his death in 1973, every Friday night about dusk would walk down the pier, of a, a broken down pier on the east coast of Florida with a bucket. And it was a bucket full of shrimp and he would feed the seagulls. And if you were observing that and you saw him week after week, this kind of slunched, uh, slouched over old man walking down the pier, feeding the seagulls Friday night, the evening you'd say, well, "What's what's gotten into him? Has he gone crazy?" But again, if you knew the past, if you knew his story, you'd see that he's not crazy. In fact, that guy Ed is—people called him Eddie. It's Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. Um He was a War One ace pilot, and he also flew in World War Two. In War Two, he was commissioned to uh, fly a B seventeen bomber uh, to. General MacArthur, he had to deliver some special um, news to MacArthur. Well, en route, he and his crew of seven got off course. And they couldn't get back on course. And so their fuel got low and he realized He had to ditch. And he had to ditch the plane, the superfortress, in the Pacific Ocean. And so um, they did have a raft there and they inflated it. And it was five by nine. And so I think they may have had two rafts, but seven guys in these rafts as a result. And they got as many much food as they could off the plane and then got out and were adrift in the South Pacific Ocean. And uh, day after day, they, the sun was beating down on them. Uh, they had, at one time they recorded a 10-foot shark kept hitting their, their inflatable raft. And so... The water, lack of water, the weather, the only time they could get fresh water was if it, it was a storm and it rained on them and they could drink that water. Um, but uh, Eddie Rickenbacker re- records one of the guys named Cherry. That was his last name. And he says this, that Cherry had read the service that afternoon and finished with a proper, uh, I'm sorry, a prayer for deliverance and a hymn. So they were having church service on on these rafts. And it's interesting, two of the guys on there were atheists. But um, they were having a, a church service and they... Asked for a prayer of deliverance. And then there was some talk, but it tapered off because of the oppressive heat. So I pulled my hat down over my head and went to sleep. And I dozed off. Then, thud, something landed on my head. And he kind of lifted up. He could feel it was something. And he knew that it was something living. And he lifted the bill of his brim. He could see the other guys were looking at whatever was on his head. So he reached and grabbed it. And it was a seagull. So hundreds of miles away from shore, the seagull had landed on his head. Well, he said that um, a goal meant food, and the rest was history at that point. So they took the feathers off. They all divvied up the seagull at that point and and ate. I don't know if that would be sushi or what that would be at that point. But they used the intestines to fish for, uh, for, for other fish. And then they would catch other fish and use those intestines to get bigger fish, and they continued continue the cycle. And it kept them alive for 24 days at, at, in the ocean. And finally, they reached shore. So Paul Harvey says the rest of the story is that he made it so that he would never forget it again. So every Friday evening about sunset, that lonely stretch of eastern Florida coast, you'd see that old man with his white hair, and bushy eyebrows, and slightly bent over with his bucket of shrimp to feed the seagulls, to remember that one seagull who long ago passed gave himself without struggle like manna in the wilderness. Um, If you do not institute qualities or remembrances in your life, you are doomed to forget who God is and who you are. It's my prayer for this congregation that we would have regular Regular Ebenezer's this service is an Ebenezer but over and above that in your personal life in your spiritual life Would you do that? Let me pray for us Father, thank you for this reminder uh, That you this is a spiritual world and it is materialistic. There is it is physical But it is your world and we are your children. We were your enemies and you made us your friends god We were not looking for you and it's out of this gratitude that we would grow in excellence. We would grow in brotherly kindness for one another, for love, that we would have all these qualities that Peter talks about, the fruit of the Spirit. It would be increasing measure because we were remembering that we were cleansed from our former, former sins. Thank you, God, for Ebenezer's that you thrust in our life and that you bring to our life, God. We pray this in your name and remember you. Amen.